0: They've got until a week from Thursday to avert another government shutdown. Yet senators seem as far apart as ever on just about everything. The intervening State of the Union speech could help or it could hurt. Joining me to sort out this vexing scene, senior roll call editor David Hawkins. And David, can anybody say what's going to happen in less than two weeks?
1: Not really. This is uh, These are always somewhat volatile negotiations. There's always the what I call the, the breakup to make up period in almost all of them. Uh, and compounding that dynamic uh, this year is, of course, uh, one of the least predictable uh, presidents we've, we've seen in some time in Donald Trump. We should remember that the, the three-day shutdown seems like a distant memory now, but it probably isn't for some people who are inconvenienced. That three-day shutdown really came to an end after only three days, I would say, because uh, Donald Trump decided to get out of the way and let Mitch McConnell and, um, and Chuck Schumer figure it out on their own. Mr. Schumer himself said this weekend that he hopes that that same pattern repeats itself and that if the, if the president will only sort of back off, the, the professional negotiators can, legislative negotiators can handle it.
0: But then they proceeded to lob bombs at each other. Is this just a ploy or?
1: Sometimes it is. It's just, it's sometimes that those bombs are, uh, it's like kabuki theater. There's a certain, certain expectations that each side is going to, is going to lob a bomb at one another and, and say something rhetorically combustible, but. Then when the TV lights are off and the mics are off, they'll get in an ornate room in the Capitol somewhere and figure it out.
0: And what about the association of the immigration question with the budget? Will that still continue to be something that could hold this up or something that the Democrats seem to insist on?
1: Well, it seems I, I, I think that what the Democrats are, have what they said when the government reopened a week ago, um, was that if there was, you know, the, the, the promise that they accepted as their, as their Condition for casting the votes that reopen the government was if there's solid progress, good faith effort, you know, words like that. Then they're not going to they're not going to resist another shutdown. So I think, you know, things obviously can change in the next week in a couple of days. Uh, but it seems at the moment as though there is at least talk of an immigration negotiating framework. Uh, the president has made this bold uh, offer for essentially the the his wall in return for Uh, protection for the so-called dreamers. My sense at the moment would be that those immigration talks will go on on a separate track from what I think they will focus on this week and going into next week in order to get another continuing resolution done on, on February 8th will be what many people who are listening here are principally interested in, which is the spending caps, which allow them to finish the appropriations bills which allow them to get fiscal 18 done before fiscal 18 is halfway over.
0: Now there is precedent in recent history for a regular budget for the current fiscal year for military but a continuing resolution for the rest of the fiscal year for the rest of government. Is that a possibility?
1: It is a it sure it is a possibility but but in other in other years when that has happened Uh, There has been an agreement on what the top line should be, not only for the defense half of the ledger, or it's actually more like the defense 55% part of the ledger, and the domestic that's the rest. So I think think this year, those who are principally Democrats, who are interested in a one-for-one match, every dollar uh, that we go above the spending caps for the military, they should go above the spending caps for domestic those folks aren't going to just let the, the the defense half of the budget go first.
0: We're speaking with David Hawking, senior editor at Roll Call. And in a related matter, Roll Call's running a story about the possibility, anyway, of the so-called nuclear option that is no longer needing a supermajority of 60 in the Senate to pass appropriations bills, but only needing a simple majority. Any chance of that happening this time around?
1: You know, gosh, I really don't think so. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell, um, the Republican leader who's You know, whole career has been. You know, he's a pragmatist, and he is. He's sort of this this interesting mix of pragmatist and institutionalist. And the pragmatist in him, you would think, you know, he likes to win. Um, He's willing to cut lots of deals to just so that he can get to yes and and move on and to to the next fight, which is sort of what you um, institutional, what you sort of intrinsically need to do to be the majority leader. But uh, Mitch McConnell has also been around since the the, um, mid '80s, and he was a staffer before that. He knows what it's like to be on the majority side, and he also knows very well what it's like to be on the minority side. He has said many, many times uh, that while uh, changing the filibuster rule on nominations he was good with and he, he contributed to, uh, that he is never, ever going to allow the end of the filibuster when it comes to legislation, which, of course, appropriations bills being you know, just about the only legislation they're doing in today's Congress.
0: Yes, because when they create a potent, potent weapon, it could end up in the other guy's hands at the next election.
1: You know, that's absolutely right. And it seemed, I think, when McConnell um, agreed back five years ago to, or, or didn't he didn't agree, protested mightily uh, when Harry Reid changed the filibuster rules on nominations for everything but the Supreme Court, McConnell said, made, made several speeches saying, you know, don't worry, what comes around will go around and we will be in charge someday. Uh, and you may rue the day for this. So yes, everybody, everybody up there who um, has any power, or virtually everybody up there who has any power, uh, does understand from practical experience what it's like to be on the losing end of these fights as well as the winning end. And so they unsheathe these weapons with some care.
0: And the furniture and draperies are better on the majority side anyway. Just a little bit. And two other things coming from the White House in coming weeks. One is this week's State of the Union speech. And then later on, I guess in another week or so beyond that, the president will release the 2019 budget proposal. Could the State of the Union maybe help, if it's phrased in the right way, help the current negotiations around this next deadline? Or could Well,
1: it-, it sure could. Right. They're sort of, you know, there's to oversimplify only a little bit. They're sort of the two... The two President Trumps, President Trump, the rally, the guy who speaks at the rallies, who often goes off script, who often says the most newsworthy things when he goes off the, off the script at these rallies. You know, and then there's the President Trump who does know how, and he's given a few of them. He knows how to, to say what the speechwriters and he have agreed he should say. Uh, he can be an effective message deliverer. We saw this last week um, when he went to the, the, the Davos Conference of, of Global Powers. Uh, and gave a very scripted speech that was sort of, you know, down the middle presidential. Some people actually complained. They said, "Gosh, we came all the way to Davos for the show, and all we got was, was the teleprompter." But the teleprompter is what you want at the State of the Union. Um, as many listeners know, the traditional State of the Union speech is highly wordsmithed, with every with OMB and every department and agency toiling over every word that mentions their programs. Uh, that's usually the way it works, and that's because. The State of the Union is the the, the president's one time to have sort of an unfiltered promotion of his own agenda each year. So you kind of want to get it right. The president knows how to do that. He's done it in the past. He tends to not to like to do it. I think that, you know, if he does stick to the script and set a presidential tone for the next week, that could help.
0: And the 2019 budget proposal could be like throwing a feather into the wind.
1: You know, it sure could. I don't I don't quite understand how they think they're going to make a meaningful 2019 Uh, budget submission when, uh, you know, just because of the the enormity of that task and the number of Excel spreadsheets and numbers that need to be filled in, how you're going to fill those in without an agreement on top-line spending, it's hard for me to understand. One has to assume, to to back up just a little bit, that if they do get an agreement on how much to increase the budget caps uh, for fiscal 18 that year we're in the middle of, they will at a minimum do it for two years, this year and next year, to prevent this kind of showdown in the fall. So how they do that, um, if, if they do that, then it's hard to understand what the – I mean, I guess you'll get some, some idea of priorities and goals from the budget, but you certainly won't get the kind of specifics that many people uh, who work in these agencies like to see.
0: All right. More nail-biting then for the next 10 days. David Hawkins is Senior Editor at Roll Call. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsradio.com slash drive. Subscribe to all of our interviews at iTunes or Podcast One.